Alrighty, welcome back to a, another episode of the SNC podcast, everyone. I am one of your hosts, Coach Carly. We've got Maddie Scar again, our other host. Maddie, you put a little uh, feed out on the old Instagrams asking for a Q&A, and you got some pretty interesting responses back. We won't go into the really, really interesting ones, <laughs> but we'll just go into the ones that, uh, that have a little bit of substance to them. So uh, I'll let you kick us off. Yeah, well, let's start with uh, one that's relatively easy, and uh, I think you deal with this probably more than I do. What What's a good body weight only, no equipment hamstring exercise? Mm, mm, I have a couple. Um, so I love jumping up, jumping up onto the slant board, and just getting into like a a nice Jefferson curl just to help open up that posterior chain. Um, but then also doing like body weight RDLs on the on the slant board. So really focusing on that posture as you're dipping on down. Um, that gives me like really, really good feedback in my hamstrings. So finding that length again um, and trying to get both hamstrings on. So with a couple of clients that I've got, I'll, I'll do this exercise and I'll get them to, to hinge through and ask them like, do you feel both hamstrings? And it's amazing how many times um, I'll have people, they'll be like, oh, I can only just feel my right-hand side or oh, I can't feel anything at all. And it's like, oh, okay. So there's a little bit of feedback that's kind of lacking there. Um, and I just like doing it because you don't have any extra load on you and it's a really good opportunity for your body to be able to figure out what's going on. Um, so that's, well, there's two. Uh, probably the third one, I'm not sure what it's called, but I call it like hamstring flossing. So um, you kind of get your leg in a vice grip um, and then you extend, flex and extend from the from the knee, and it helps kind of floss out your your hamstrings. So, so you do them one at a time. If you can do both, you know, go for it. But I don't think you can. Um, so you kind of like I can actually show you. I can actually show you now. So like you you hook your your leg up and you get it in like the the vice grip, and you just lift up and down, up and down, and that really helps open up the hamstrings. Also, depending on where you put your um, your head, so if you bring your chin down to your chest, you'll feel more of like a neural sensation going through um, your hamstrings and even up into your glutes and into your back. Um, and it just feels like a really nice stretch. So there's three <laughs> off the top of my head. Have yourself. Yeah. So I like I do I like the Jefferson curl and RDL because it's the same exercise, but you just alter where your back is at, and it mm. changes how the stretch actually is. So, and I think when we say no equipment, we're talking about no gym equipment, but mm. you can wait, you can add weight to these RDLs and Jefferson curls, like just pick up a rock or something. And then <laughs> if you want to progress the load, you pick up a bigger rock. The, Nico, the motion guy knows all about that. Um, but, or you can put a bunch of rocks in their back. I don't know. That's not the point here. So you can progress the RDL and the Jefferson curl. I like doing, so if we're going to talk about the other point, insertion point of the hamstring behind the knee, I think Nordics are something that you can do pretty easily without any equipment. You either need somebody who's heavier than you and just like a pad or a pillow for your knees and they can hold you down, or you can use a car, you can use a dumpster, you can use, I still remember the old, old Ben Patrick video of him like, you could do it under a car, under a trash can, under a bar, but like, <laughs> as long as you get something heavier than you to put on your heels, then you could do Nordics wherever and just put a pad um, under your knees so you don't ruin your knees. Mm -hmm. um, the other the other one I like for behind the knee is actually 
and it's not the greatest thing ever, but it's better than nothing, is hamstring sliders. So, mm-hmm. like, if you can get, like, furniture movers or, like, anything that's slippery, and so you kind of plank up on your back, so your upper back's on the ground, and then your heels, and you lifting your glutes up, and then you, so, like, if this is your body, and then if you're just listening, you can't see this, but, like, going back out and then coming back up, and you can do that one leg at a time if you're, strong enough two legs at a time if you're resting and you can go shorter if you're weaker you can go longer if you're stronger um that was that rhymed really well but yeah that was i think i think that's <laughs> i think that's two good exercises for both insertion points of the knee and you can yeah you can kind of play around with uh just pulsing in the bottom ranges of those rdl and jefferson core positions to um gain that length and get a little bit of a stretch there. But I mean, ideally you have some way to overload it. You really only need a bar and then having a Nordic bench and a hamstring core machine is great, but you can do or advanced ba- equipment. Never mind. So let's get on to the next question. Clicking sounds from the knee post bending. Please help. Thanks. <laughs> what are your thoughts? <laughs> I'm probably one of the worst people to ask that question, to be honest, because I can't remember my knees not clicking like um, since <laughs> since my first reconstruction when I was 17. Like I've had people come to me um, and ask me questions about like, oh, do your knees click? Um, do you, like, can you, can you hear that? And they come to me and they're like bending up and down. Can you hear that? Can you hear that? And I'm like, yeah, I can hear that. What, and then they ask me, well, what do I do about that? And it's like, well, I'm probably like the, the, the big thing is, is it painful? No. Okay. Well then like, it's okay. Unless it's painful or it's like a grab, it's like, it's, it's holding on and then it pops and it's, it gives you that, that feeling of like, oh, shit, that, that actually really hurt. Then maybe you should go and get, or, or not go to, towards that range. Um, but for me, it, it's a bit of a hard question to answer because I constantly have like clicking and, and like, um, I've had swelling because, uh, when I was in Queensland, um, so I spent the whole time on the farm, running around, jumping around, doing all sorts of things, no, and no problems at all. Went to the beach to just settle down and relax and went to go and throw a frisbee. And because my leg just got all relaxed and, and relaxed, the tibia just popped out and I had to pop it back in again because there's no ACL connecting to that right, right knee, uh, to the uh, connecting in the right knee. And so it popped out and, um, I was just standing there with like a, a little bit of a bent knee and had to click it and pop it back in again. It was just like, oh. <laughs> um, and then went into the water and, and swelling came up. So I've had, I get swelling in my knee quite regularly, but it's, it goes really, really quickly. Um, anyway, point of the story is, uh, is that with the, that sort of stuff that happens, for me, my pain tolerance is, is significantly higher than most people because it happens so regularly. It's just like, okay, it's, it's fine. So I don't really feel pain when I have the clicking or the popping or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I think the big thing is if it's painful and if it's clicking when it, like it's painful when it's clicking and it's a big click or it's a grab, you should probably um, have a chat with someone about that. Uh, I mean, I could definitely help you out with the, <laughs> with the clicking and the, and the popping um, if there is pain. And it's obviously like working through some ATG movements. Let's just get some blood flow going through there again. Just start off with some blood work. Um, exp- so explore 
Um, like I'm working with someone, actually my next door neighbor, he's just ruptured his ACL and he's got uh, surgery coming up in May, hopefully. So next next year, so we got a long time to work together, which is great. And we got him doing, so like a heap of sled work. Um, I've also introduced like a little bit of the, the ATG split squats raised up just to help him get that range again. So it's significantly regressed. Um, and just to get into that position slowly, and he's like, man, this feels really, really good. I can actually feel things working. It's like, well, your body hasn't been doing this for such a long time. It's trying to avoid it. Um, so I think put yourself in significantly regressed positions to ex experience that feeling again and experience that motion. Um, so then your body can like remember what it feels like to then do it again. Like I got him doing the um, Solaris raises on the on the slant board. And he's like, man, my... <laughs> What is that in my leg? Like I can actually feel that there's something working in there. Um, so yeah, I, I would suggest um, actually going and doing regressed forms of exercise. Where again, this is only if it's painful. If it's not painful, then it, then I I believe it'll be fine um, because I've experienced it. But if it is painful, regress a movement so much where it doesn't feel painful, and you can actually get into that movement and then slowly progress it from there. I don't know if that made sense. I think it did. I went yeah. a bit of a bit of a tangent there. But your what are your thoughts? Yeah. So for me, um, it's fairly fairly simple. No pain, no problem. But it probably signals that you aren't you don't have the most um, that joint isn't in the greatest shape. So I mean, my knees used to pop a lot, like a lot, and my ankle still pops some, um, but. My knee popping went away the more I, the more integrity I built in that joint. So as my knees got better, the popping went away. So, and that's not always going to happen. Sometimes you're just going to have it. But in my mind, if you don't have pain, inflammation, swelling, that you said like that snatch and grab sensation, um, okay. it's not really an issue. But if you train your knee right, like in the way you're talking about, do the full knee bend with the sled, with step ups, specifically step ups, I think are great for that. Um, that that popping sensation might go away, um, and a lot of times it does. Sometimes it doesn't, but generally, if it is popping and snapping, you have a little bit of work that you can do to improve the structural integrity of it. But in general, I would again, no pain, no problem. If it's not causing you an issue, I wouldn't worry too much about it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that's big. No pain, no problem for sure. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about. Oh, well, somebody was asking how to do a Nordic in home without equipment. So I didn't see that until now, but we already covered that. Um, let's talk about disc herniations. Any thoughts? Um, I've never experienced it myself. I've seen a lot of people um, that have, uh, whether it's on uh, socials or even in person, um, that have had a lot of back problems and I've had some people come to me with, with some back problems as well. The one thing that I noticed, uh, once we started working on, um, actual, like, like I spoke in the beginning about the hamstring exercises, once we actually started getting that feedback to the hamstrings and we started focusing on actually, um, working through our, our hamstrings first through like a hip hinge, that, um, herniation, it didn't sort itself out, but that pain, it kind of moved to a different position. So it was like we were getting that feedback in our hamstrings now. Um, it didn't necessarily solve herniation, um, 
But what it did is uh, it kind of transferred that feeling of uh, that back pain that you were getting into your hamstrings. And I think that that's, um, I think that that's something that's kind of forgotten. Like a lot of people do focus on the back and I think that it is massively uh, important to focus on your back. So for example, doing like the, uh, the back extensions and that, but significantly regressed um, because there's a reason why it's herniated. It's because of that, that flexion. And we want to be able to kind of work on that extension again to get that strength back. Um, I think exercises like the, the back uh, extension, 45 degree back extension, even just holds in that position, um, completely regressed are great. I also think that um, assisted seated good mornings are fantastic as well. So like you use the bench at the front and then just to get that movement to come on through so then you can get that strength back in your back. Um, again, I've never really had to, I've never experienced anything like that myself. I've had family that, that has, um, and then we've, they've kind of gone down their own route. It's, it's hard to speak with people about this sort of stuff because it's like, oh, I need surgery to cut part of my body out and, um, and that'll fix everything. And it's like, okay, you know, you're going, you go do you. Um, but yeah, when, when people see, like, I'm sure that you've had the question as well, when you're doing those heavy Zercher Jefferson curls, or just even, you know, a, a barbell with your, um, with your Jefferson curls and people going, your back's going to snap. What are you, what are you doing? And it's like, well, <laughs> it hasn't <laughs> and it won't because we're strong in those long positions. Um, so yeah, I, I think that there's an, uh, um, I've seen a couple of people getting hammered for the, for the Jefferson curls, like you should never ever round your back. And it's like, well, do you, when you pick a sock off the floor, do you get yourself in proper positions and proper positions and hinge on over and pick that up? Or do you bend your back and curl your back over? Like, what do you do? Or do you not think about it? And if you don't think about it, more than likely you're curling that back. Um, yeah, so that's, that's my thoughts. I think that there's a, I think we can, we can go down the rabbit hole on that one, but I'll, I'll let you go first. <laughs> what are your yeah, thoughts? So, so I, I did have a herniation. I got an MRI maybe in 2000, late 2017, maybe early 2018. And I had a herniation and it was like, I had a good doctor. She was like, it's, I mean, it's a herniation, but like, we, we're not going to have you. I was 18 at the time. She's like, we're not going to give you surgery on it. It was like, all right, cool. But um, there, there's some research and stuff out there that there's so many herniations that sometimes it's not that the herniation is causing you back pain. It's that you have back pain, that you also have a herniation. Sometimes, I mean, obviously, sometimes a big herniation will cause you issues, but sometimes they're separate. I think in my case, they were actually separate, but I had, I had back pain really bad for quite a while, and I... I mean, stretching my hip flexors, trying to strengthen my hamstrings. Like I couldn't squat or deadlift, or I had a hard time playing for a while. Like I missed quite a bit of the quite a bit of the season from it, and I never really figured out like what actually was causing it. But the one thing I did know was doing reverse hypers made it better, and I kind of stumbled into it, and I didn't realize it until fairly recently. Cause it stuck around for a while where I got it to a manageable point that it, sometimes it would hurt. But for me, it was just having a really, really weak low back. Like it was, and it, my back is still weak, like compared to the rest of my body. Like, I mean, I was 17 squatting like a fair amount of weight. Like 
I remember the fir- one of the first times I felt it was we had a test of how many how many times can you squat 135 or 60 kilos, and it was like the 50th rep of me doing 135 that it was like, yeah, that's not that doesn't feel good, and uh, so I think I really think that getting your back strong is really really is important and that's in the both we talked about the two angles of the back earlier that's having both your back arched and with it rounded but you can't it's some it's hard to start with it rounded like at that point i couldn't have done a jefferson curl and now i've done jefferson curls with my body weight in a searcher so it's i i started with reverse hypers i wish i understood the back extension more at that point i think that would have helped but i mean reverse hypers is it was all I knew at that point, but that's kind of what fixed my back and some other things in there. But I, I really believe that a lot of it is just people having a weak low back in general and relative to the rest of their body. So like if you would have tested my low back at that point, it would have been like, that's not that bad. He doesn't have a horrible back, but compared to the rest of my body, it was really, really bad. So I just I didn't really touch on her disc herniations there, but it's if you need to really really regress some of Stuart McGill's stuff, the back mechanic, I think is his book, but um, he's got a couple exercises in there that are really really regressed. And then I mean, strong people have strong backs, and if you train your back often and and hard, so whatever level you're at. So I think it's if you hit the three, you call it four angles of the back. So you think about a back extension in a glute ham raise where you're the hardest part is at the top and then the easiest part is at the bottom and then a 45 degree back extension, the hardest parts in the middle and the top and the bottom aren't as hard. And then a good morning, the hardest parts at the bottom, easiest at the top. So if you get strong in all three of those ranges and then train both with your back rounded and with your back flat RDL Jefferson curl, you're pretty, you're pretty covered. Um, and you can't always start with all of them, but now I'm ranting. So, um, let's talk fix for rounded back and shoulders collapsing forward with the question in a deep squat, but I think in a deep squat and in life in general are, are going to both be applicable here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we had, uh, I had actually someone come to me. Uh, we, we just did a workout together, um, and he was complaining about shoulder pain. He's had shoulder pain, um, and you could see like he was just stuck. Like his scapula just did not move, and he was stuck in in this position just significantly, like just really rounded forward. Um, and then he was complaining about shoulder pain. It's like, have you ever spent time in, in this position? Like just opening yourself up a little bit. Um, that's what it looked like just constantly here. And so ones that come to mind, are your, um, your external rotators, as well as the, the pullover. Like I think the pullover, just sitting in that position, whether it's um, letting your hips do some work and moving up and down and just keeping your hands still or having your hips, um, in a position that, that don't move and just letting your arms move up and down, just getting a little bit of movement going on in through that, or that thoracic in particular. Uh, so I love, they're, they're probably my two go-tos for that position because it helps actually open up and through the back. Also, when we're thinking about pressing, um, these conversations that I've had with people, it's like people, um, 
when they're pressing, they're just thinking about, oh, we're just, we're just thinking about the front here. We're just using the, the pecs as an example. We're just pressing, just pressing. So it's like you're stuck in this position, but you want to be thinking about using that backside as well. My, my opinion anyway, like, because then you can get both. Charles talks about it a bit with the workout. Well, he spoke about it a bit with the workouts that he would put up where it was like um, agonist and antagonist, kind of you work those muscles out uh, together. There's research and, and studies on that. Um, but when you work them together, like in that same movement, so you're thinking about, all right, I'm bringing my chest through and I'm actually pressing as an example. You're not pressing from around the position and just pressing up the shoulders forwards. You can get that back end working for you and working with you. <clears throat> so yeah, that's, well, there's a couple of exercises. And even just thinking about when you're doing chest press as an example, um, you can think about implementing that a little bit more into, into your workout and just focusing on how you're doing things like, I've been massive for tempo lately in those cluster sets uh, that, that I've been doing some extra study with, uh, with a lot of what Charles had, had spoken about and just realizing like how you can get the most out of your workout by, by, by working in that way. You, you really appreciate um, and understand the movement a little bit better as well. So for me, the external rotators and the pullover uh, are two big ones that would really, really help with that position. So if you're feeling like you're, you're rounded, and you can, <clears throat> similar to what you said with the, um, with like the back stuff. So with the pullover, as an example, you can start in, in different positions along your spine. Um, so even if you've got like a flat bench, you can start with just your hips off and then you can slowly gradually move down and then you can get your arms lower over, um, afterwards as well. And then also with the external rotators, like you can do it starting lying down just on the floor. And the position, so the hardest position is going to be down on the floor when you're coming back down or when you're lifting back up. And then if you're doing it upwards, it's, um, it's in the middle. So just have a play around with those exercises. That's, that's what I, I think anyway. Um, how about yourself, Matt? Yeah, for the, the quick and dirty, if you got shoulder problems or your shoulders are rolling forward, external rotators, power raise, trap to re-raise and pullovers and then full range pulling and range pressing with dumbbells okay. so that was that was fast but so the pullover <laughs> is really good for the mobility and so is the full range pressing to get all the way back in that position chest forward okay. here and when we're pressing it's neutral neutral grip and you're coming all the way down either side of the dumbbell on either side of the chest um so that's the mobility and then so when we're rounding forward a lot of times there's weakness in that mid back so that's where we want the the trap three raise and the Powell. So when you're coming across here and pulling that shoulder back or coming up and pulling that shoulder back, those, those are probably the two best exercises for developing that mid back. And then again, the external rotate. nobody does enough external rotators except for some of the people who really like Charles and stuff. So um, then, then that's great for the strength. And then again, for developing the ability to get back there out of rounding forward, the rows are really, really good, especially with the pause at the top. So you're not going to be able to use much weight, but if you row and you pull and you hold at the top one at a time, it's it makes you're going to cut like 20% off what you can do, but you really get that sensation of pulling that scat back and holding that position of being open. So it's really, it's really hard and it really sucks, but it's really, really good for um, unrounding your shoulders and kind of, doing the opposite of what a uh, what a desk job will do to you 
Yeah, yeah, and so, a lot of those can be done with, with body weight as well, which is great. So, like talking about the beginning when when we're talking about um, body weight hamstring exercises, like even just doing this type of movement or thinking about that position when we're pulling mm -hmm. or pressing, like even if you're just doing it um, in a body weight kind of like you can do it wherever you want. Obviously, with weight, it's going to be um, a little bit better for you, and just a little bit of feedback is great. But doing it in a body weight way too, even just thinking about like the power raises, like you said. And just getting yourself into those positions is huge because you don't spend enough time at all in those positions. Um, if you're if you're really rounded, yeah. <laughs> let's let's talk about hamstrings now. So read out. I've been having hamstring, assume hamstring problems for months now. Really don't know how to fix it again for months now. Um, what's your what's your hamstring guide for people? Um, I guess it's about context, like. So there's not much to that uh, in terms of what let's, the, the let's, hamstring Let's say, is. let's call it recurring let's, hamstring strains. Okay. Okay. I, I think that there's um, a lot to do. We spoke about this uh, a little while ago on one of the podcasts where there was an NFL team that continued to get uh, hamstring yeah. problems. Like they were, uh, I think, was it, was it, was it Charles? Or was it, it was someone Louis. else? Louis, that's this right. This was West yeah. Side. This was West Side. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you remember what we're talking about. And they were constantly having hamstring issues. It's like, do you train your hamstrings? Yeah. Do you train your glutes? Yeah. Do you train your back? No, no. Why would, why would we want to train our back for? Like, that's dangerous. Um, so if you've got issues in that posterior chain, like, I think it's good to figure out, okay, so hamstrings are clearly taking the load. And they're taking way too much of that load, and then that's why they're going. Hey, I gotta, I gotta tap out here. Like I can't, I can't do this anymore. So figure out what else is weak in that posterior chain, but also um, stop giving. Like I haven't, I haven't played in in over nine, ten months, whatever it is. Actually, I had one Legends game, which I don't think I'll ever do again. But. <laughs> When I did play, there was a there was a player who suffered from a lot of hamstring injuries, and he'd come back and he'd get injured again, and he'd come back. It's it's kind of I guess similar to to your your story in terms of like the soft tissue injuries that you that you experienced, and would constantly be doing the same thing like oh my hamstrings gone, so I got to strengthen my hamstring because my hamstring's not strong enough, and then you put your attention and you focus a lot on that. Break the break the cycle a little bit. You know, here's an idea. Maybe try something else. Maybe try and focus on that back strength, like like Louis did when he went to the um, that NFL NFL team. Like focus on where your other weak points are. Um, do you feel like where is it in your in your hamstring? Is it low down towards your knee? Is it high up towards your your hip? Is it in the belly of the muscle? Constant, like we said about context, but we'll just say it's a constant reoccurring um, muscular injury. I would suggest going for for more back exercises so focusing on strengthening that back whether it's through good mornings also getting a little bit more lengthened through that whole posterior chain so doing things like elephant walks as a regressed movement to help get those hamstrings into a little bit more length so they can experience that that feeling in an active position uh, that's probably what i would i would do um for, for me and my uh experience with it i've never had a constant reoccurring hamstring quad calf hip injury that's that's not my game <laughs> i'm the other stuff <laughs> matt what do you what do you what do you think yeah, 
he never had enough muscle mass to uh to pull anything. No. It was all it was all it was all tendons and ligaments, baby. That's it. It's all tendons and ligaments. That's that's the goal. So with ham with hamstrings, the number one thing for me is I mean if you're having issues behind the knee, Nordics and leg curls, done deal. Just get those ridiculously strong. If you're having higher hamstring strains, which people usually do, for me it's the RDL. But there's a couple caveats here. It's a full stretch RDL, so with perfect technique. And so to use enough load where you can, so there's two things with it, the, the amount of weight you're using and the mobility you have within it. So you have to be able to use enough load. Like you want to be able to use whatever, one and a half times, whatever you can back squat for the RDL. But you need to have it so that you can, get that full stretch. So you should be able to almost get, like if you really want to cut out hamstring injuries, you should be able to almost get the plates to the floor on a strict RDL. The thing here is with what you were saying, to get to that level and get that stretch in your hamstrings, your back has to be strong or as strong as your hamstrings. Because you have to be able to keep that arch back the whole time. Because in like a Jefferson curl, the reason you can go so far down is because your back is rounded and it takes a lot of the load off your hamstrings. Sometimes you're just bending at your low back. You're not actually getting so much hamstring mobility. But, and that's what happened to me for a while. And I realized my RDL mobility sucked because I was just doing Jefferson curls and I pushed my Jefferson curl way up. But it was my back getting mobile, not my hamstrings. So when you arch your back and you take that out of it, that's when you get that huge stretch on your hamstrings. So developing a ton of strength through that full range where you take your back out of it and you still have some glute stretch, but they don't stretch that much. But that massive, massive stretch in the back of your hamstrings with 275 pounds, whatever, that's how that's how you're going to stop your, uh, your hamstring injuries in my book. So there's a lot of things that go into getting to that level. And it's, is your back strong enough to hold the position to stretch your hamstrings? Are you strong enough in that position once you get there? Are you mobile enough to get all the way down? Like it's everything circles around that RDL, but it's like there's a whole bunch of things that go into like it being a test and an exercise. So, and then Nordics are really good for the other side of the hamstrings. It's yeah. If you're really good at RDLs, you're going to be protected. But if you're not protected and you just do RDLs, it's not going to work. You have some other things to do. So. Pump up your back. So back extensions and RDLs probably the two best two best things for me. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, that's one thing that is is like super untapped is that strength in your back. And we've already spoken a lot about it right now. It's like having that strength in your back throughout this podcast. Anyway, be strong in your in your back. And it's hard to do that though, isn't it? Because everyone's looking at like, oh, this looks strong at the front. They look at themselves in the mirror, and then they look behind. And for most of us, it's like. There's there's not much going on behind there. I mean, I've got a I've got a dump truck back there. So <laughs> for everybody, we were just talking about before this podcast started about Steph having to buy new pants because uh, yeah, there's a there's a there's a good solid uh, yeah <laughs> there's a solid oh, maybe inch and a half two inches that's uh, it's not the, the buttons aren't <laughs> getting together. All right, let's talk about um, – we got a couple minutes. Let's talk about barefoot running and uh, being flat-footed. Mm. 
Ah, mm. uh, all right. Um, so from the last podcast with uh, with Luke, I have ripped out all my barefoot shoes again and just chucking them all on because I spent a week and this is this really helped me realize uh, the importance of just getting barefoot um, and how, how important it actually is. So for me, I spent a week on a farm with no shoes on and every time I had to put shoes on because we were working like on the tractor or we we're using sledgehammers and, you know, I mean, not that a pair of shoes is going to save me against sledgehammers, but it might do something. Um, I realized how much my shoes were just curling my toes up because I spent so much time in, in no shoes at all. So walking around the farm, I reckon I stepped on a couple of bees. I was walking on rocks. Um, we went for a walk in a national park and this trail was just all little pebbles and rocks and stones. And my feet had the greatest massage I've ever had on them before in my life. And it was sending like feelings up and through like my stomach and into my shoulders. And I'm like, oh, wow, what's going on? You're hitting like some nasty trigger points. For me, I wouldn't, I, I don't suggest going straight from um, barefoot, uh, straight from like cushioned shoes to barefoot running like that. Go out, like I did it the other day. I did it yesterday, actually. I was in the car and I had to go somewhere and I was, got out of the car. I'm like, oh shit, where are my shoes? Like, I, oh shit, I left them at home. I was like, well, okay, just go in and, and just get the stuff and you walk out. I look like one of those guys <laughs> doesn't own a pair of shoes. But do more barefoot stuff. Get when you're at home, do more bare, barefoot stuff, walk around with no shoes on. When you go outside, get in the grass, wherever you are. Um, it's going to be really, really hard because we spend so much time on hard surfaces. So a lot of concrete, a lot of bitumen, a lot of pavers, all that sort of stuff. So I think it's important to slowly get to progress to those uh, more, uh, I guess, high-tech barefoot shoes, which are like just a piece of <laughs> rubber and that's it. Um but yeah, in my experience, having spent a week on a farm, hardly wearing shoes and just walking around everywhere, barefoot on rocks, on grass, stepping on bees. I mean, I'm not allergic, so it's okay. Um, it really, really, really helped strengthen my feet. And I was someone that had like flat feet. I'm talking like bricks that were just flat. And I actually have over years and years of not wearing orthotics anymore. And we've had this chat before. My arch, my arches have strengthened. My feet and my toes have strengthened. I've got a lot more um, movement and mobility uh, within my feet, and my toes, and, and ankles, and all that sort of stuff. So just don't wear shoes. If you want to get into running barefoot, walk around first. Like you have to have a base. Ben talks about that bulletproof reserve almost. Like you want to have that base first, and then make that base as big as you can. So then you can go and do the things that you want to do, whether it's barefoot running or running through a national park with no shoes on. <laughs> and the, the thing is when you walk down somewhere you got to walk back up and there's no choice so you just got to keep moving through and that's exactly what what i did um so yeah in long or in short just don't wear don't wear shoes when you're doing things take them off so yeah yeah couldn't say it better myself i got a bolt so working uh working people find your stuff i'm at uh, coach carly on uh, instagram uh coach carly with the three eyes and uh, a bit of YouTube, but but yeah, mainly mainly on the instance. So, Matty? Yeah, anywhere anywhere on the uh, social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Score Performance, S-K-A-A-R Performance. All right, everybody, Brilliant. thanks for listening. I hope this help, was helpful. And uh, if you've got any more questions for another Q&A, 
let us know and we'll we'll hopefully cover them in the future. Done. See you guys.